Welcome. So excited to be here with you. Thank you guys for joining us in the building, and thank you for those of you who are joining us online. We are so excited to be with you this morning. My name is Clint Edinger. I am the family pastor here at Kensington, and uh, we are having good times this morning. We're having a lot of fun, so we hope that you have some fun with us too. Um, We are a church that has all kinds of stuff going on. Um, We have something for everybody, and we want you to be connected with us, whether you're online or in the room. We are not handing out paper to you guys anymore, so if you want to get connected with us, we have a digital way for you to do that. We have a digital connection card that is going to come up on the screen. There is a number that you're going to text the word connect to. And this is a church where you can use your phone. It's okay. You can use your phone here. You can break them out because we have a couple of things that you can text to join. The number is, mm, let's see if I can remember. It's 407. Oh, there it is. I got the first three right. 407-278-7291 is the number. You just text text the word connect to that number and we will get you plugged in, let you know what's happening because we got all kinds of stuff going on. For example, one of the things coming up that we have that we're really boosting is our life group semester is going to be kicking off the first week in October. And so this whole month, we're going to be talking about it. We're going to be asking you guys to join a life group because we think that here at Kensington, life happens better in circles than it does in rows. And so we want you to be plugged into a group of people that's going to pray for you and care for you and encourage you when you need it. And we have a group for everyone. We have special interest groups. We have certain stage of life groups. We have all kinds of different groups that you can join. So we want you to be plugged in and join a group if you're not in one. So you can text groups to that same number that's on your screen there. Um, So you guys came on the best Sunday that we've had so far this year. All right, We are starting a new series this morning. We are starting a new series called Back to a New Future. And we are so excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We are theming it off of one of the greatest movies of all time. This is a goat movie, Back to the Future. Um, I even asked my middle schoolers who's seen it, and like there were some hands that went up. All right, so even middle schoolers nowadays have seen this movie. Um, it is awesome. So we're starting a new series about how in quarantine we, we life hit us hard, right? Coronavirus came in and affected everybody. Quarantine affected everybody, and it changed our lives in some ways. And some of those ways were not great. Um, But we think that some of those things that coronavirus and quarantine actually put on us could be good. And so we're going to talk about some things over the next few weeks that maybe we think God wants us to keep um, some lessons that we can learn from our time uh, in quarantine. So with this new series, we are going to do something awesome. It's up on the screen. We are going to have a movie night this Friday. We have rented out the West Orange Five. We rented out a theater there. And we are going to watch this movie as a church, as a family. It's going to be awesome. Six bucks will get you a ticket to a movie a popcorn, and a drink. And you cannot beat that deal with a stick, all right? I'll do it. I'll pay six bucks just for the popcorn. Um, so I get a free drink and a movie with that. I love me some theater popcorn. So we want you guys to come out and join us this Friday. Um, just a little, you know, warning. It is PG, like 80s virgin PG, which means there's like a couple of words in there. So if you got some young ears, you know, you just bring some earmuffs and then we'll, we'll all get through it together. It'll be okay. Um, but we want you and the whole family to come out. It's going to be a great night. Make sure you get your tickets now because we have a limited number of seats due to, you know, we have to space out for coronavirus and all that stuff. So we have a limited number of tickets that we can sell. So make sure you go on our website and get those as soon as you can. Um, You can just go to kensingtonorlando.org and find the tickets there. Um, Also, while you're at kensingtonorlando.org, you might want to check out some awesome events that we have going on. We have some incredible men's and women's ministry that are planning fun stuff and doing cool stuff um, all the time. They, They have some great things coming up. 
up. So if you want to check those out, register for some events, you can go to kensingtonorlando.org slash events. And then last but not least, I just want to thank you guys so much um, for those of you who have been continuing to give, even during this time that can be tough for a lot of people. Um, your giving and your faithfulness in that area has helped us so much, keeps us going, um, keeps the lights on, as they say. And I just want to thank you for being faithful in that area of your life. And if you want to give this morning, there's a few ways you can do that. You can go online to our website, kensingtonorlando.org slash giving. We have a My Well Giving app, so there's an app that you can use on your phone um, so you can give that way. Or if you're somebody who still likes to give that money or check in a physical form, we have a couple boxes uh, next to our exit doors, so you can just drop that in on your way out. <clears throat> so like I said, we are starting a new series this morning, Back to the New Future. And this morning, we're going to be talking about how we maybe don't want to go back to sort of that fast-paced, breakneck speed that we all tend to live at, right? There's like a busyness that kind of invades our culture, and it seems like it's been a problem for a long time, even way back in the 60s when this song was written.
There you go. There's two songs to like hum along to all week and go, where did I hear that from? And it'll be church. I love it when that happens. Uh, but thank you for being here this morning. And I, you know, starting with that song right before the message to me goes all the way back to the 60s. We were glorifying work and busyness and doing things and riding trains and getting in and working overtime. It's like that's just been a part of our culture for so long. Many of us, we are living at a breakneck speed. Were that we didn't even realize. And we're going to get into that today because I believe God has a new future for us. But I first want to get out of the way. Um, not only welcome to those of you that are here in the room. Thank you for being here. Those of you that are online for joining us this morning. Um, my name is Kevin Valentine. I'm the lead pastor here. And our new series titled Back to a New Future. Back when we planned this was in the summer when we were kind of looking at, okay, what do we want to do when we're kind of coming out of the coronavirus thing? We were in the middle of the summer. I honestly didn't think that we would still be where we're at right now. I thought we'd be further along. Like I thought we'd be kind of past this, but we aren't quite there yet. But we are starting to take some baby steps, aren't we? Like football this weekend? I mean, come on. Thursday night, did it bring a tear to your eye? Like a little bit on Thursday night when like NFL was on finally? Um, you know, and just so you guys know, we are a jersey-friendly church. Like you can wear your jerseys here. And now, now that Tom Brady is on the Bucks, I will even allow New England jerseys in here. Like you can wear a New England jersey here. Green Bay, forget it. No, still banned. I'm going to talk to Clint after the service, okay? That's the way it is. Um, but, but never in my lifetime. Did I ever think we would be living like we're living right now? Like the mask thing, right? Yes, I love that you're all wearing masks and I wear mine when I'm sitting there. It's still weird, isn't it? it like, is it normal to you? It's weird to me. Like, I'm, I'm like, I'm tired of smelling my own breath, okay? Like, I just am. In fact, it's so weird. I really want to smell other people's breath. Like, like please, like, let me, give me your breath. I don't care what it smells like. It's just not mine because I want to get out of this mask thing. I hope this will become a thing of the past. And I was thinking this last week, what are our kids going to, say about this time of their life when they become like, you know, some of us that are older. And I just, it made me think back to when I was in elementary school and it was at a time in the world where you had the Cold War going on and we would actually do drills at school in case nuclear holocaust happened. Like, I don't know if you remember this, some of you that are like in your 40s, maybe 50s, but they would teach, we would do drills. We would get under our desks during the day and do drills and they would tell us, don't look outside and stare at the blast because you will get, you will be blinded by the blast if you stare at it. And I'm just like, I'm thinking back this last week going, if you're close enough to a nuclear blast to get blinded by it, like, is that your biggest problem, being blind? No. Like, I'm just kind of going, my gosh, they used to teach us that stuff. So what are our kids going to be talking about when they talk about this time in our lives? Because this is a huge disruptor. Like, it's like a 9-11 disruptor. Like 9-11 disrupted our lives you know, 20 years ago with Friday being kind of one of the anniversaries of it 19 years ago. And it's like things changed then after 9-11. And they're still different now. We still do things that started because of 9-11 are still happening today. And I'm looking at it now. And if you're honest and looking around, things are different now. Like things are going to be different 19 years from now because of what has happened over the last six, six seven months. 
Like we're forever different. Our, our future for a lot of us is just unclear. Like it's unclear. Our hopes and dreams are on hold. Many of us are, we have hopes, we have dreams, things we want to see done. They're just on hold. Um, some of us, we just want things to go back to normal. Like we just give us normal um, back. We want things to go back to the way things were because this has become so hard. And I will just tell you this, um, because, uh, you know, this pandemic has been so hard, about, hard on us and a lot of us want to go back to the way things were as disruptive has as this have been um on, on my life like as i look at my life and looking back to where i was six seven months ago i don't want things to go back to the way they were in my life i just don't and as i've been praying through this series why we're doing this series is i don't believe god wants our lives to go back to the way they were six seven months ago i just don't and so the question is well is there a new normal um is there a new future that god might be actually able to show us through this because of what we've lived through. It's like with the world on hold, we have this opportunity to actually kind of start over. We have the opportunity to kind of rebuild and reimagine what our lives are going to be because we're still disrupted right now. We're not back into any sense of regular rhythm of what things are going to be. And that's where this season, this series comes in. And I'll just tell you, if you're open to it, if you will come to this series for this week and the next three weeks afterwards um, with an open mind, I think that God can use the last six to seven months to help you and I not just survive and get back to our old normal. I think he's got a new normal for us that will literally change the trajectory of our lives. And we'll look back on it and go, okay, that time, that time really stunk. But gosh, look at what's come out of it because it has shifted and changed the way we go about living our lives. Now, um, why do I believe that there is a new normal that's better? And it really is because of a verse that the Apostle Paul wrote. Um, he wrote the majority of the New Testament and he wrote in, Nor in Romans something that for every Christian in the room should give you hope. He wrote in Romans 8.28. He says, and we know, he's talking to Christians, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purposes. And let me just break down this verse really quick. And we know, Paul is speaking like, look, if you know Jesus, you know, you are sure, you understand, you hope with full confidence that in all things, good and bad, Anything that's going on in your life that you're just like, man, this is, this is horrible, this is awful. Anything that's going on in your life that is great and awesome. In all things, God is at work, even if it feels like he's not, for the good of those who love him. Which means this, if you are a follower of Jesus, God is on your side right now. God's on your side. God is working for you, for the good of you, for the good of your life. God is at work doing that right now, even if it doesn't feel like it. Even if you're like, this couldn't be a worse time in my life. What are we told? Paul is saying, we know. We know this. God's at work for the good. And you know what? That good might not show up today. It might not show up tomorrow. But you can be assured, if you're a follower of Jesus, that there will be good that shows up at some point because God's at work right now doing that. And what's fascinating is even those of you that don't know Jesus right now, and you think, oh, that verse isn't for me. No, you know how God's working for your good? He is working right now to draw you into relationship with him. He is working right now to open your eyes and open your heart and draw you into an actual relationship with him. And so even those who don't know Jesus right now, God is still working for your good. And we can know that. And I hope that that brings hope to you. 
And I will just say this. I want to pray before we jump into the day. I will just say, if you will come here, I believe for the next three weeks, including today, with an open heart and open mind, we'll start to see some of that good. Maybe even this coming week. So let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that you are right now working for our good. Some of us cannot see it, and we have a hard time believing it. Give us that faith and that confidence that you are. And Lord, I just pray over the next few minutes that you would open our hearts and minds to something new that you want to share with us and a new way of life that you want to kind of pour into us through what we're going to study today in the next few weeks. And God, I really do pray that you would get us back to a new future that has more of you, that has a different trajectory, that has a different feel, a different look, a different style, a different outcome than what we might have had we not gone to you and studied through and looked for the new future you have for us. In your holy name, amen. All right, so today I want to talk about slowing down. I want to talk about slowing down, and I want to give you three ways to get back to a new future that leads to a healthier, more soul-fulfilling future. And I want to start with a poem um, that was written about this pandemic. And here's the deal. I'm not like a poetry guy. I don't like go, hey, there's a poem. Let's run over there and read it. Like, I'm not that guy. I'm not interested in poetry. But I read this, and I'm like... That needs to be read, and people need to hear this. It was actually um, a poem that was written um, back in March, I believe. It was mid, early mid-March when things had just started shutting down, and we were kind of wrestling through April um, of kind of this new normal that we had for a while. Um, it was written by a woman named Kitty O'Meara about what was going on right now, and I just want to read it to you. It stuck out to me. She writes, And the people stayed home and read books and listened and and rested, and exercised, and made art, and played games, and learned new ways of being, and were still, and listened more deeply. Some meditated, some prayed, some danced, some met their shadows. And the people began to think differently, and the people healed And in the absence of people's living in ignorant, dangerous, mindless, and heartless ways, the earth began to heal. And when the danger passed and the people joined together again, they grieved their losses and made new choices and dreamed new images and created new ways to live and heal the earth fully as they had been healed. And what stuck out to me is just the line where it says, What did we do when we came back together? We grieved our losses. We've acknowledged the fact that things are different now. There is a loss to this whole thing. We've got to grieve some of those losses of ways of life, ways of life. Some of us, you know, it's like I think think just for my son, he was a senior last year. What a horrible year to be a senior in high school. So much loss. He's, He's not even able to start college yet. So much loss, but there's so much other things, relational loss and job loss and financial loss. We've got to grieve those losses, but it also says that the people made new choices, made healthier, more fulfilling, life-altering choices. This is an opportunity we have unlike any I've ever had in my life to hit a big reset on how you live, on how I live. It says, and create a new future, a new way to live, and in those new choices, they were healed. 
And that's the hope of this series, is that there would be some healing and we would create a new future and a new way to live. And so to get back to a new future, we kind of need to look back and acknowledge where we were in the not too distant past. Prior to COVID-19, and this is not news to you, but I just want to acknowledge it, we had a problem as a society. We were in a constant state of rush, addiction, stress, compulsive behavior, spending, and a constant search for more. A lot of us, we buried our loneliness, sorrow, relational issues, and dysfunctions in busyness. It's like, how many times would you ask somebody, how you doing? Oh, I'm great. Just busy. Like that was just the answer. And you went, oh yeah, me too. Everybody knew what that meant. Well, we were living in a time at that point where the two biggest like phrases that you would say to keep being busy would be YOLO and FOMO. They kind of ruled the day, right? YOLO is, say it out loud. You only live once, so don't miss out. Do it all. And what's FOMO stand for? Fear of missing out. Man, don't say no to anything because you might miss out and everybody else having fun and you're the loser back at home doing nothing. Like, so we lived according to that to the point where our life speedometer was pegged at 100 miles an hour just about all the time. Like, it just felt like my life just felt like it was always 100 miles an hour. It makes me think back to when I was in high school. I do not condone this behavior. Any high school students in here do not ever do this, okay? Um, but it's like when I was in high school, I had a Chevy S10 truck. And, um, and uh, between where I lived in Texas and the beach, it was about a half hour, 20, 30 minute drive. And there was this one stretch, a two lane highway. And there was rarely traffic on it if you went at the right times. And that's where me and my buddies would take our cars. And we would just put the pedal to the floor and see how fast we could go. So I remember this one time, my speedometer had gone all the way around to 75 where it stopped and made it all the way to 12 on the other side. And it was like, woo. And I'm like, now I'm like, you idiot. Um, Thank you, Jesus, that I didn't get a blowout or something like that. But it's like, I feel like that's how we live so often earlier, six months ago, it's like it was always 110 miles an hour, 120 miles an hour, 130 miles an hour, floor, uh, pedal to the floor, go, go, go. To the point where a few years ago, they coined a new term called hurry sickness, which is actually a thing. Richard Jolly, a college professor, executive coach, he defines hurry sickness as the constant need to do more, faster, even when there's no objective reason to be in such a rush. Man, that is me. I want to get to the next place as fast as I can because I need to set a land speed record every time and I can talk about it, right? Look at what I did. Um, that's just kind of, that was it. Like pedal to the metal. Um, author of The Power of Patience, MJ Ryan, he says, in this state, when you live with hurry sickness, Every tiny obstacle becomes a mountain of a problem. Every person an irritant to be done with so I can move on to something more important to the next thing. ABC News came out with a study three years ago that said the Americans are working at the time that they did the study an average of one month more per year than 20 years earlier. In other words, we were cramming an entire month more worth of work into a year than we were 20 years earlier. Um, Washington Post actually wrote an article, I think, four years ago called Why Being Too Busy Makes Us Feel Good. Like that was their article. And they said somewhere around the end of the 20th century, busyness became not just a way of life, but a badge of honor and a status symbol. We were a go, go, go culture. I was caught in, uh, up in it. I was addicted to busyness. Most of you were caught up in it. And a lot of times we didn't know. Well, what happened in March, all of that came to a halt almost overnight, didn't it? Almost overnight. Most of us experienced a shutdown. No use sports travel restrictions, shelter in place, schools were closed, actually being together as families, don't leave your house, no restaurants, no bars, limited shopping, no theme parks, crazy, no movie theaters, even boat ramps were closed down, which ticked me off. 
so many of our options disappeared. Like we just didn't have options to go do anything. And so all of a sudden we're stuck at home with nowhere to go and nothing to do. And I'll just tell you what I did. Like for about a week, I was slower. It was like, hey, this is kind of cool. I watched a little extra shows, binged a little bit of programs, um, spent more time with the family, talked to them. And then what ended up happening after a week is I found ways to fill up my time. I found ways to get back to being busy. And I found this little app on my phone called Offer Up and Let Go in Facebook Marketplace. So I just started selling stuff. Like, what are you going to do? I'm like, hey, do we need this? It's been sitting there forever collecting dust. Let's sell it. My wife didn't like two of the couches that we had. So what did I do? I sold them, literally sold them out out from under my kids watching TV. It was like going to the living room. Hey, I just sold that couch. Get off, pick it up, take it outside, put it in this person's truck. Like that actually happened two times because I sold both couches up out from under them while they were watching TV because it was just fun. It started to become a game. Like anything that I could make money with, I just started listing it and selling it. I mean, I've got a list here. I, I sold um, uh, the stuff I sold. I sold, I sold, uh, let's see, where am I going here? Um, uh, I, I sold, I sold guinea pig cage. I sold a Lego table that we had gotten somehow or, or old car DVD system, a toy train set. The neighbors updated their kitchen during this time, and they actually put their kitchen sink out on the street for throwaway. I'm literally, I'm watching them bring it outside. I'm like, no way, I can sell that. They, I'm waiting for them to go inside. They go inside. I go on the street. I get the sink, sell it for 40 bucks. Thank you very much. Boom. Made $40 off a kitchen sink that somebody threw away. My family's embarrassed. I'm proud of it. I'm okay. I'll own it. Um, the boys, they needed to lift weights for football, so I'm just like, hey, buying and selling weights. Weights shot up. I started buying and selling and going here and going there. Every time a set came up that I needed the weights, I needed that 25 pounder. I'm off on the road to go get the weights. I buy more than I needed, come home, list them for sale, make a little bit of money. I mean, it was constant, constant, constant. Then I got into jet skis. You could buy broken jet skis for next to nothing, fix them up and make a little bit of money on them. So now I'm driving all over the state buying jet skis and fixing them up and selling them. I mean, I just filled my time with busyness because I was still addicted to it. Even when everything was shut down, I was adding stress to my life. I needed that hit of rushing around. And I'll tell you, it took me a few months to start slowing down. A few months to just kind of go, you know what? This isn't that fun. I remember I was driving across the state to, to go pick up another jet ski. And, and the crazy part about it is the guy had someone else coming to look at it too. And I wanted to beat him there so I could get it. And I just remember just this stress and this anxiety and driving across the state. And I'm going, I got to get there, got to get there. And I just was like, why am I doing this? Like, I literally had this conversation. I might even say it out loud in the car. Why am I doing this to myself? Like, there is no reason to be stressed right now. Like, this is, this is I can make a little bit of money and it's fun. But the, the anxiety and the stress that I just brought, I chose, I chose to bring it onto myself. It took me months to get out of that rhythm, to get out of that pace. We have been forced into this experience of slowing. And it is good. Many of us, we have had more meals at home with our family in the last six months than we have in the last two years. Where we've sat eye to eye, knee to knee, and toe to toe with people that we love over and over and over again. We've stayed in more evenings with our families and the people that we love than we have in the last year or two. We've talked more with the important people in our lives. We've been forced to slow down. And in slowing down and being less busy, that's one of the keys to a new future for you and me. And it really has to do with our spiritual lives. 
Like this slowing of pace, we think it's like, so it's good for us physically. No, it's a spiritual, there's a spiritual goodness that's coming out of this. If you will allow it to Dallas Willard, he's a philosopher and theologian in our day. He says, hurry is the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry is the greatest enemy of you growing spiritually deeper in our day and age. Corey Ten Boom says this, that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Because both sin and busyness lead to the same place. They cut off our connection to God. It cuts off our connection to each other. And it cuts off our connection to our own soul. And I'll just tell you the pace I was living at, and maybe many of you, and maybe I'm way off here, but I don't think I am. Um, the pace that I was living at and that many of us were living at was actually suffocating our souls, and we didn't even know it. We had no clue. Why? Because busyness distracts us from God, from spiritual growth, from experiencing God's kingdom vision for our lives at the heart of Jesus' vision for your life. Let me just say that. Jesus has a vision for your life. At the heart of it is for you to experience life to the full. Now, how our culture and we would define life to the full is doing lots of stuff, having great experiences, making memories, and packed calendar. That is life to the full. But when you get to the heart of Jesus' vision for your life, Life to the full to him is a life full of love, joy, and peace. And they're more than just emotions. They're a state and condition of the heart. You know what a full life is to Jesus? For your heart to be full of love. And I will tell you this, you can't love fast. You can't build a loving relationship fast. You can't fall in love fast. It takes time. Jesus wants for you to have a heart that is overflowing with joy. And I'm just telling you, you cannot experience joy in the present when your mind is on the future. And joy only exists in the present. Joy does not exist in tomorrow because tomorrow is not here. You can't experience joy in tomorrow. You can only experience joy in today and in the right now. How does your heart overflow with joy? It's fully present. Jesus' kingdom vision for your life is that you would experience a heart that is full of peace. Busyness, rushing around, full calendars are not peaceful. God doesn't want you to have a hurried, stressed heart. And so today, one of the keys to creating a new future as we emerge from COVID-19, which we will in the next three to six months, things are coming back online slowly but surely. I'm just telling you, I think what God wants us to do and what God would have us do is create um, a life that is slower paced and where you and I can actually attach a word to our life, and that word is slow, is that you and I might live slower. And slow might become something that you and I can actually say, how is life? It's good. It's slow. By choice. By design. By following God. Because I will just tell you, you cannot grow spiritually and live a hurried, busy life. Those two do not work together. And a life to the full requires spiritual growth. So Jesus gives us this invitation to this kind of a life in Matthew 11. Verse 28, then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. Go back six months. Was that you? Eight months. Was that you? Weary, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you, say that word out loud. Yep, say it like it's really a good thing. Rest. He says, I'll give you rest. Doesn't that sound good? 
Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest, not just for your body and your mind, but on, in your soul you will find rest. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. And at the heart of this passage of what Jesus is inviting you and I into, relationship. Relationship, relationship, relationship. So he says, come to me. If you're weary from running around so much and you're busy all the time, bring me your burdens that you are carrying for your life, for your family, for your friends, for your future, and I will give you rest. Build a relationship with me and I will take that craziness and I will hand back to you rest. That's why he says, take my yoke upon you. Now the word yoke in this passage of scripture has two meanings. In Scripture, at the time that this was written in the first century, um, uh, in in the rabbinic system that Jesus was a rabbi in, um, a teacher's yoke were his teachings. So when Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you, he's saying, take my teachings and live them out. Embrace what I teach you is the right way to live out God's word. Take my yoke, what you have learned from me, and apply it to your life. So he's saying, come to me and I'll teach you a new way to live. Come to me and I'll teach you how to live in such a way that you will have rest and your burden will get lighter and your life will get easier. And yoke also means to connect yourself to. And that's where we get like, you know, a yoke for oxen. It puts two oxen together so they can pull in the same direction. And so Jesus is saying, yoke yourself to me. Take on my teachings as the way to live life and connect yourself to me and so that we can carry the load together. And so the title of this message is called Get Yoked, Not Ripped Like I Am. It's actually different than that. It means get yoked, take on Jesus' teachings and connect yourself to him and live a different way. You used to be, I used to be yoked to busyness, craziness, hurry, the sickness of hurry. And we paid the price with our health, our families, our relationships, our souls, and didn't even know it. But in our new future, it's like, hey, unyoke from that and yoke yourself, connect yourself to Jesus' way of life. Connect your shoulder to shoulder, put the yoke on and pull the burden with Jesus and take on his teachings. And so let me give you, as we kind of move towards the end of this message, I want to give you three ways to get yoked to Jesus. How do you yoke yourself to Jesus? The very first one is stay slow. Choose slowness and be with Jesus because you're going to be tempted in the coming weeks and months to jam pack. You're going to be tempted. And I just want to say this. If you stay slow, it's okay to not say yes to everything because really here's the deal. It is equally important what you say yes to and what you say no to. They are of equal importance. A lot of times we say it's super important. We say yes, yes, yes. No, it's as important what you say yes to is what you say no to. The yoke is about relationship, and relationship takes time. So stay slow and be with Jesus. And you'll experience that Psalm Psalm 4610, the writer of Psalm is writing for Jesus. And what what does the writer write? Be still and know that I am God. God talking. Hey, be still and know that I'm God. There is this connection in Scripture between being still, slowing, and knowing God. There's a connection there because you can't hurry up a relationship with God. You can't hurry up and hear God's voice. You can't go, okay, God, talk to me, talk to me. Come on, I got a few minutes. Ah. God speaks in what is it, over and over in Scripture in a still, small voice. Still, small voice. Still, meaning you can't be rushing around, and small, meaning you've got to be quiet to hear it because he speaks to our soul. So the slower your pace, the more Jesus can break through. 
The more you can listen to what God's telling you, the more you'll, it will help you get to know who God is. It'll give you time to think and make wiser decisions and actually go to God and say, God, help me with this. And you can hear his voice. When I was young in my faith, I was taught to do quiet times and quiet times were really simple. It's getting somewhere quiet and slowing down enough to breathe and take time to spend, to spend with God and listen to him. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. But my wife said something um, earlier this week. We were talking about this message, and she just said, there is no rest for your soul without Jesus. There's just no rest for your soul without Jesus. And I was like, man, it just hit me on this level. It's like if you're not connected with Jesus, that hole that is in your soul that is God-shaped, um, you are going to be filling it with everything but him, and nothing can fill it. So you're constantly searching for a sense of, of well-being. You can't get it without Jesus because your soul is starving for your time with him, for him to plug that hole. You can't get your sense of importance, your sense of worth without Jesus. Jesus literally plugs the hole in our soul that demands that we go out and find everything and do everything to find that sense of purpose and meaning. When we have Jesus, you have rest for your soul because the search is over. And sometimes we forget that. We keep trying to fill stuff in and it's like, no, we just need Jesus. Stay slow and be in relationship with Jesus. Second key is stay slow and be like Jesus. It's really interesting when you study first century um, Israel, uh, the way that the whole rabbinic teaching system of disciples worked is, is when Jesus went to his disciples, what did he say to, to say to them? He said, come and Okay, I wasn't expecting that much silence. When Jesus went to his disciples and they were standing there and he walked up to them to invite them to do something with him, he said, hey, come and follow me. Huge in this moment because he didn't say, hey, come and know a lot about me. Come and, and hear who God is. Come and fill yourself up so that you can think. He said, no, just come and follow me. And they did for three years. They were with him morning, noon, and night. And here's what's fascinating about that. When you get into the system of teaching with the rabbis, the disciples literally followed behind the rabbis. They call it walking in the dust of the rabbi. They would follow the rabbi and do everything he did. They would walk the way the rabbi walked. If the rabbi bent down and picked up a piece of straw, put it in his mouth, the disciples would do the same. They'd find the same length straw, put it in their mouth the same exact way because that's what they were learning is how to follow the rabbi. Um, if he walked by and kicked the can, the disciples would walk by, kick the can. Everything he did, they did. And so it's like, what does it mean to be like Jesus, to be his disciple? Jesus' invitation was, don't come and listen to me. Come and live like I live. And I will just tell you this, there's not a single account in any of the four Gospels, three by eyewitnesses, there is not a single time from the people that watch Jesus day in and out, not a single account of Jesus hurrying or rushing or scrambling to get anywhere. Not once. Does it say Jesus was stressed out, he had to get to Capernaum. Not one time was it like, hey, this person was sick and so Jesus hiked up his robe and ran. Not a single time where Jesus was stressed out, where Jesus was like running late. I think Jesus lived in the moment every moment. You want to be like your rabbi? Be in the moment every moment. I think that's why Jesus was never in a rush because wherever he was was the most important moment in his life. He was never looking to the next moment to get to the next moment so that maybe that'll be better than this moment. I think that's why, like even with Lazarus, his friend Lazarus died. It took him two days to get four miles down the road because I think he was just in the moment with the people that he was with because he didn't live a rushed, fast-paced, hurry-sicked, sickened life. And so what does it look like to stay slow and be like Jesus? Don't be hurried. Be fully present with whoever you're with. And this is a big one for me. Be fully present with whoever you're with, not looking at your watch, waiting to see so they can stop talking so you can go. 
Leave 10 minutes earlier for your appointments. Oh, give yourself breathing space. Learn to just say no to some things. Like, I'll just be honest. I'm learning this. Like, I've slowed down. There are like, I'm not joking. That like two weeks ago, there were like two jet skis that were like ripe for the picking. I wanted them so bad. And I'm like, no, I'm just not going to do it anymore. I don't want to run and be fast and make stuff happen all the time. It's like, I just said no. And it's been so great to give myself the freedom to let it pass. Someone else can get a good deal. If you want to know where they are, come talk to me. I'll tell you who it is. But it's be okay with being slow. Embrace a slower pace of life. Control your schedule. Don't let your schedule control you. And then finally, stay slow and get to know Jesus. Stay slow and get to know Jesus. And I would just encourage you to engage God's word like you never had before. Engage God's word like you never had before. If you want a new future, engage with God and get to know him. Like this book... This is, this is God's instruction manual for life as he intended. You want to know what Jesus' yoke is, his teachings? You know you could read about Jesus' yoke every day and hear what he taught, spend the time listening to how he taught and the things that he said mattered and what the kingdom of God looks like. You can do that every single day. And if you can, like, and, and I would just say this, you know what a great way to do this is, is to start in the book of John and set a timer on your phone, five minutes. You give God five minutes out of your day in the beginning of your day and your day will be different because you'll be reading about the teachings of Jesus and they might start working their way into your, into your, into your soul. Or uh, you can grab this devotional. Like you can grab one on your way out five minutes a day and just spend time with God. It's like stay slow and get to know who Jesus is. And what's interesting is as you get to know Jesus, he leads you places in your life. He leads you where Psalm 23 says he leads you. Psalm 23, very famous passage of scripture. It just says, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. I have everything I need. And I'm telling you, when you have Jesus, you have everything you need. Don't buy into the lie that you don't. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. How nice does that sound? He leads me beside quiet waters and he refreshes my soul. That's where Jesus wants to lead you. And if you will set up a new future in the coming months and years that allows Jesus to lead you, your soul will live in a refreshed state. And you will look back and go, you know what? COVID stunk, but there's a silver lining. There's a thread that God just wove into my life that I'm holding on to because it's the best thing that I chose to do coming out of COVID and the restrictions. Because why? My soul is full of love, joy, and peace now. It never was before, but suddenly it is. And that can only be experienced in deep connection with Jesus. And for some of you, how you get to that place in your life where your heart and your soul is full of love, joy, and peace is beginning a relationship with Jesus. Like I said, God is at work at all times trying to draw people unto himself that don't know him and help people that do know him have an experience this full life that God has for us. And so for for someone in here and someone listening online, today is your day to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is it. You've been leading up to this place for weeks and you've been holding back and holding back. I don't know why, but today maybe is your day to just go, you know what? I need a new future. And Jesus is the beginning of your new future. I will just tell you that right now. It's it's submitting your life to him and living differently. And so I love this part of every service because every week I know there's a life change. Um, I want to give you the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. 
if that's you, and then I want to pray for the rest of us, but would everybody in here, would you bow your head and close your eyes? And those of you online, would you please bow your head and close your eyes right where you are? And if you're that someone, or if there's more than one someone's in here, and you're ready to step across the line of faith, I invite you to pray with me right now this life-changing, eternity-changing prayer. You can say this between you and God in the quietness of your heart. God, thank you for this day. I believe in you. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to earth to die for my sins. That you did that because you love me. And so today, I invite Jesus into my life to be my Lord and Savior. And as much as I understand it, Help me to live my life differently from here on out. Help me to grow in my faith and live a life full of love, joy, and peace. Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that we would set up new rhythms in our lives that leave space for you to break through. Lord, help us attach slow to how we choose to live. And as we do that, grow us in depth spiritually. Help us to learn to lean on you more and give you moments to break through. Help us to not see busyness as something to achieve, but help us to see godliness as something to attain. And help us get back to a new future that is better, that is deeper, that is more fulfilling than our past. In your holy name. Every heart I worship 
this time that we're just living in, I know that it's so hard to feel like you can see God, that you feel God working in your life. But God is moving. And when you take the time to just sit in His presence, you will feel Him move. So as we continue to worship, let this next part just be your prayer this morning. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel that you're working Louder than 